You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's going on? This is Grandson, and thanks for listening to Making Waves, the Ship Rocked podcast. Making Waves. Welcome to Making Waves, the Ship Rock podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media family and one of the fastest growing rock music podcasts in the world. Whenever you do check us out, please remember to review, rate, and subscribe and share. Tell all your friends about us. And with that said, tonight we'd like to welcome uh, Jordan Benjamin. Most of you know him as grandson. Jordan, thank you for joining us this evening. What a pleasure, mates. Ahoy. Welcome to the ship. Ahoy, ahoy. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody's ever said ahoy, and that, that made me really We got to bring back Pirate Top. I, a couple margaritas in me on day one, and I'm going to be like going Old English for the rest of the trip. <laughs> old English. <laughs> I'm going to be like, well, Steve very good. you guys remember Dodgeball? Remember Steve the Pirate? That's going to be oh, me. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever happened to that guy? What, what, what was this? That, what was that actor's name? I can't recall for life of me. What was his name? Can't remember. Okay. Oh, I, I, I'll look him yeah, up. Are you, you going to bring him up? And I, yeah, I we got some time, right? Let's jump yeah, right sure. While you're doing that, while you're doing that, you've obviously you've had a, you're having a busy year right now. You're, you're on the road. And I witnessed you recently at, uh, where were you at? That was uh, Louder Than Life. Oh, nice. In Kentucky. Yes, sir. Fantastic show. And you went over really well. It was predominantly a metal crowd, but you, uh, you know what? They're they're very open minded to what's going on. So that was that was great. And speaking of a little bit of metal and open mindedness, you have uh you you're you're on the new Tom Morello album. Yeah, I mean, who's more open minded than the fucking Godfather himself, Tom Morello? That's, that's right. So you got the song "Hold the Line," and obviously, if people listen to it, it has some rage overtones. You can't help but hear that when you listen to Tom. And you uh, you bring a certain energy to that that uh, does kind of. Uh, well, echoes a little bit of what Zach De La Rocha brings. So what was the, how did you guys get together and that, and that happened? Well, first off, for all the, dodge band, all the dodgeball fans out there, actor Alan Tudyk, Wait, Steve what? the Pirate, Alan. <laughs> how many dicks? Big fan of the two? show. Alan, two, two, this, dose. Quick yeah, show. he has this Monday and Tuesday ones. I don't know what happened to the rest right. of the week. <laughs> Um, so I linked up with Tom initially. It was one of the first, obviously he was on a very short list of like, who do you want to work with Jordan? It was like, well, Tom Morello, when I first signed, uh, with, with fuel by ramen records. So when we did, um, my single blood water in 2018, we, we tapped Tom for a remix and, and together we produced a remix of blood water with, uh, my, my collaborator and, and right hand man, Kevin Hissink. Um, and so, me and Kevin, who I work on a lot of my grandson, all of my grandson music with, um, were invited to Tom's studio. This was actually pre-pandemic, um, while he was still building the initial Atlas Underground album. Um, and and song, due to timing, getting it done, uh, didn't make the first album, was floating around for a while, and then 
uh, during the pandemic, it, it resurfaced, got brought to life, and and he let me know he was working on a follow up. And uh, yeah, I'm really really proud. He's been a huge influence on me, both in his um, fearlessness in crossing genres and sonic boundaries, while also being outspoken and using his platform to educate very pro-union, pro-working-class American in a way that I certainly identify with. So I'm very, very grateful for, for the opportunity. Yeah, there seems to be that, that kind of that lineage right there, as you mentioned, of activism. Um, and also there's other bands as well, like Fever 333, that kind of fit in that as well, which kind of makes sense. There's this kind of like collective of bands and acts coming out that have this kind of, I mean, in a world today, it, it kind of makes sense. It's kind of like, uh, resurrecting the punk movement of the early 80s right during the Reagan years. That's right. Also, shouts yeah. out to Shiprock alumnus Badflower. Um, yes. Good friends of mine who who also are pretty fearless in some of the lyrics in, in their new album. And uh, yeah, I think that rock and roll uh, has roots in activism, has roots in um, telling the stories of of those without uh, a voice, um, you know, came to America predominantly black working class musicians. And um, it is it is cool to follow in that lineage as best I can, as best we can. Yeah, it's you interesting to see a Woody the... Guthrie thing. I'm sorry, I, I just want to get this, like the Woody Guthrie yeah. to, to Bob yes. Dylan to MC5. And then it just keeps kind of passing, you know, they kind of keep the line moving, folks. Yeah, I was yeah. in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, recently had the chance to visit the Woody Guthrie exhibit over there. He was uh, from Oklahoma and and was really blown away by, you know, the history, like thousands, plural, of songs. He, he was just a, a troubadour, a working class man himself, um, and wrote from the heart, made the guitar a weapon in a way that I think Tom Morello does too. And uh, it's, it really is cool. I'm, I'm trying to continue that lineage and I'm trying to, as best I can, find new ways to inspire and motivate, whether through appealing to anger in all of us or hope for tomorrow or empathy for your neighbor, trying to find different perspectives with which to uh, rev rev people up for good, uh, good as defined by by me and, and by the progressive agenda that I grew up on. So... Um, speaking of perspectives, uh, one of the things, this is probably one of my uh, most, um, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. You're probably one of my favorite acts that's playing the ship this year Thanks, for many man. reasons. And one of them is your ability to do just that uh, sea perspective and crisscross um, around all the different bodies of water. I mean, Tom Morello is a great collaboration, but I'd have to say on, it's, it's definitely in that like, holy shit moment, but you've been able to do things with acts like uh, I mean, Vic Menza, uh, you just did a remix for Oh No, which is like an incredible song. And then you have like Mike Shinoda, K-Flay, Kenny Hoopla, like all these things that you've been able to touch on, all great songs, all great songwriters and great artists in, in their own respect. How do you find yourself in, um, you're out in Los Angeles, I believe, correct, right now, right? But you mm -hmm. did New Jersey to Toronto and then college in Montreal. So... I'm from Montreal. I'm a French Canadian. Are I live you? In Detroit now. Uh, yep. And uh, okay. so MC5 and all that stuff. I, but I've also lived in Los Angeles and did the songwriter stuff for a while. Nice. You seemingly have found all of the best minds to collaborate your mind with. And I was just curious, as not only a songwriter and performer myself, 
but for our listeners, how'd you do it? Wow. Well, first off, thank you so much for for the for praise, and and I uh, agree that I'm I've been very fortunate to work with, in my opinion some of my favorite artists out right now already. Like I, I feel very lucky for the bucket list of, of incredible and fearless uh, artists that, that have given me the opportunity to work with them. Um, it's been a, a real combination of like really good timing and dumb luck while also just trying my best to continuously um, find my why and redefine it when, when I'm sick and tired of it. So um, yeah, for those new to me, uh, I was born in New Jersey, uh, working class family, immigrated to Canada when I was a young boy. I uh, grew up in Toronto, which is uh, an incredible city. Um, and, and I really identified with the Canadian values of loving your neighbor. And um, both my sisters, uh, I'm the youngest of three, my sisters. Uh, went into spaces of political science, activism, ethics um, themselves. So that was always um, around our household. Grew up very, very much in like a liberal family. And I was very much enraptured by going, you know, going to public school in Toronto. It's just such a melting pot of people and ideas and, and music. So stuff like R&B and hip hop and reggae and classic rock and dubstep. When I moved on to college and went to Montreal for school, there's an incredible dance music scene out there. Um, and I was just taking this all in. I wasn't really, um, I, I wasn't one of those kids that grew up and knew he was going to be a musician. I, I went to school to be a, a primary school teacher in college, but, you know, was writing for fun and, and rapping at the back of parties. And I, I just loved music the way it caught on to all of us. And um, a couple of friends of mine encouraged me to put some music out on an old defunct blog under a different name and all this stuff when I was uh, 19, 20. And very serendipitously had an A&R, which was kind of like a talent scope for record labels for those who aren't in the biz. Uh, kind of messaged me uh, while I was still in college, said that... Uh, liked my music, wondered if I had some time to come to Los Angeles and meet them. I was convinced this was a scam or something. I didn't really have a following or a fan base at the time, but but just this one kid had heard it and uh, flew me out to Los Angeles. So I, I took a, a week-long leave of absence from school, and it's been eight years since then. So, you know, flash forward, and I was very, very lucky to, to, to have some of that stuff happen along the way, but it wasn't really until I slowed down and, and started trying to hone in on why do I do this? Who do I want to be listening? And, and what in what ways can I positively impact their life if somebody does give me an opportunity and I come on their playlist or they, they follow me on social media? What are the things that I would like to make sure that the people that do support what I'm doing um, leave with? And once I started crystallizing that and being more honest with myself and it was finally it, it liberated me putting to bed old projects um trying to focus on on alternative rock as the genre of music that i would make and, and take these other genres i loved and find my way of of paying homage to all of the incredible music that i grew up on that was uh when things started moving for me which was three years ago now let's say 
So if I if I'm understanding correctly, amongst all of that, there is a certain energy that somebody else was obviously um, gravitating towards at the same time. I don't know if your songwriting partner um, was from Montreal or not, but in a sense, you said right time, right place, or or some sort sort of version of it. What I gathered from all of that is that you had all the makings and all the thought processes. Uh, processes uh, laced into you very early on with your family and clearly as somebody who's dropped out of college many times uh, it it didn't matter what you ended up doing or where you ended up being as long as you were able to lean on those thought processes and your energy found yourself uh, where you needed to be at the right time in the right place and now look at you platinum cell thank you man Chad I appreciate that yeah I I do feel I I do feel that some degree that um no matter what i wanted to do it i I knew that um i was terrible at taking direction and listening to authority figures i'm I'm still not very good at it and it can be a detriment in my career quite frankly so i'm working on it and uh and i knew that um one thing that really helped me along the way that maybe it doesn't you don't even need to be a musician if you're listening hopefully this can impact you somebody gave me the advice that you know, you can do everything right by other people's standards and still come up short. So that was an experience for me of going to college. And I went to McGill University, which, you know, was like a very reputable school, but I went there with no real direction. And uh, so many of the choices I was making in my early 20s were um, just following what other people saw in me and saw onto me. And when I looked back around the age of 23, I was like, I don't, I don't have a ton of faith in the trajectory that I'm on, but I can't really retrace my steps and find an obvious misstep. Like of course I should have moved to LA. Of course I should have done this and that, but it's not clicking for me. And, um, I think that was when I finally started trying to, instead of, um, having anyone else, kind of orient the compass that I was following. I tried to just ask myself what was important to me and what would I be comfortable falling short at? So assuming that I don't have a song go viral or I don't have a song in a movie soundtrack or any of these incredible, I never get to meet Tom Morello or whatever it is. What are the things that I can still go back to my dinner table, go back to my high school reunion and and be proud um, to have stood for, to have shown up for. So those things were always baked into grandson and I think it made it easier as a fan to, to identify, look, am I a part of this thing or not? Because I wasn't trying to just stand out with may the best song win. I'm going to be another guy singing about his heartbreak or his, it was very much like, this is about um, empowerment. Um, this is a social commentary. This is mental health. This is um, addiction, leaning on vices and trying to break old patterns. Those were the things that like, man, if I could be there for people um, the, the way that music was for me at those points in my life, then that's really what I want to do. And so um, I think that fans that found my music through working out or through highlight tapes or where, wherever you get your high adrenaline rock and roll, um, I think there was a, a, a really high conversion rate at the very beginning because people were like, oh, what's this? And then this is what I stand for. I wear being progressive. Um, on my sleeve and I always have and some people go oh I don't like music like that I don't want my singers to to you know have an opinion and they leave and then other people go oh how refreshing and they stick around so 
that was yeah. kind of how I built it at the beginning. And then it's just as simple as selling your soul to the highest bidder and <laughs> sacrificing, signing up for the Illuminati, like all three of us obviously did. And uh, from there, it was actually, it was a breeze, you know? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the, the idea that people don't want their singer to have opinions. I'm sure some of people who say that somewhere in their, their collection, there's a U2 and REM record sitting there somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Which of is course. the great irony of all this, of course. And they, I'm sure somewhere along the way, they read John Steinbeck and it stuck. Grapes right. of Wrath somewhere and, is in their, <laughs> their reading like Paul list. Paul Ryan working out to Rage Against the Machine. I've had the chance <laughs> to talk to, to Tom about that. And uh, it's funny. It, you can't really... All we can do is make music, and and I actually think um, some people have the luxury of of growing up around people that um are are reverent and like really respect lyricism and music. Other people have the luxury of the time and space to sit and make music their passion or go to lots of live shows, but. For a lot of people, especially working class people, music as a luxury item, as like a good, it just isn't consumed in the same way. Um, people are appreciate music because of how it makes them feel. And uh, beyond that, don't really have the time or the patience for it. So there are lots of people that, that listen to my song, Blood Water, and, you know, use it for their fuel, but aren't really taking the time to google it or try to figure out what it's about and so i can't really uh and as an artist you just got to roll with that and just and just be grateful that you're even a part of this beautiful thing to be interpreted and reconstructed and digested however the the, the other person on the other side of it chooses to do so absolutely absolutely so let's talk about death of an optimist you obviously very good at blending. I know good Good shout out to your own self there. Uh, you're very good at, at crossing genres, but one of the first songs out of the gate uh, in over my head, uh, first thing I say when I hear that, I hear Britpop. Yeah. I hear Blur. Yeah. And absolutely. I was like, wow, he's really throwing that in there. And I hope some people can pick up on it because it's just so damn infectious. Oh man, it's that's been the song that we've been opening the set with. Might mm -hmm. stick with that on the ship if, if people are ready for it. Yeah, it's just like fun heavy riff oriented in your face rock and roll song about growing up different it follows different points in my life being a young kid and a teenager and moving out to los angeles all these things where i just knew that my my um questioning the path that i was on was a lot different than some of the people around me and and feeling at times really excited by holy shit i'm writing my own story every single day and other times completely overwhelmed and in over my head at, at the prospect of it so i wanted to open my debut album with this is who i am and and this is what this is going to be about yeah you mentioned it's hard hitting but it certain, does have a certain pop charm to it because just the way it's it's saying you know and obviously what i that's why i picked up on the brit pop i was like wow this is totally very it's got that 90s kind of brit pop invasion thing but it's also got some teeth on it yeah again that my, my uh that, that song i actually took my acoustic guitar one day and i was completely uninspired and i googled like how to play guitar in open c and i just tuned my guitar to a weird tuning and like oh cool you know it, it kind of came together with something that was more of a ballad at first um and then we kind of took it to a baritone guitar, which is tuned to open B and threw a, a, 
a capo on it to get it in, in C and and I recorded it in Nashville, a guy named JT Daly. And, and yeah, it was definitely like inspired by the muses of the world of, of the Arctic monkeys kind of guitar tone. And damn, it's a really fun one live. I can't wait to play it for you guys. Speaking of live, I mean, you've done um, some, I've seen you a couple different, in a couple different types of spaces. I saw you, uh, uh, there was um, a, Kevin Lyman, I forget what the, uh, it was like in an auditorium on the college. It was right before. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know what you're talking was, about. The mental health. That, yes, yes. Thing. Uh, what was 823. The thing? It, yes. So yeah. I, I've seen you in, in a space like that. And then I've seen you in concert at the festivals. My old band uh, would play at the festivals and you guys would be playing. Um, usually around the same time, which was uh, unfortunate or Damn, fortunate. Damn, dude, what the, the same hell? stage because I got to be there either before or after. Um, but I wanted to uh, ask you, have you done any, I don't think you have, but have you done any performances after that acoustic performance uh, between at the college before lockdown? Are you doing like live streaming? I, have you done any? So of these I did one live stream. Um, it was more so like a movie event. Like it was pre-recorded. We spent a day banging out these songs and, and um, dude, if I never hear the word live stream again, I'd be like really good with that. Unfortunately, I think that uh, we haven't seen the last of it. I understand that there will always, um, we'll never go back to um, pre-pandemic. We really have embraced and, and been forced to adapt to a certain other dimension with which we consume um, storytelling and, and, and how we get to know artists. And I think that that was an inevitable process that was merely accelerated through the pandemic. I do think that there will always remain like a virtual meet and greet component, virtual tickets to the, to the, to the show at the big city. I think that um, for better or worse, that's especially as the technology gets better. I don't think that they figured out how to listen to it. You know, I think you can film it great, but until you can feel the bass in your ball sack, I just don't think that like, the live stream thing is that appealing. Um, but I did feel that knee jerk reaction that so many of us felt during the pandemic, which is how do I make everything about me all the time? Because if not, <laughs> then I will fade into obsolescence. You know, like that was a, that was a thing that I felt. I know everyone felt it was like, Oh God, if I don't speak all the time, then I don't exist, which is still a problem that I struggle with having put out an album, being in between projects. Um, we, we, I mean, we got some new music and collaborations coming, which I'm excited about. But um, yeah, during the pandemic, I did one thing around the album release and was mostly, I was releasing a lot of music. I was recording a lot and, and we had written a lot of the album. I, I was on Zoom like this, writing songs, um, doing features in my apartment. You know, I was trying to just stay creative as as a thing to give me a sense of purpose um, that I was I was really struggling to find at times. Um, and yeah, so it wasn't until this summer that I finally got to get back on stage and uh, and play Lollapalooza and and Firefly, all these incredible music festivals. It was a really fun, but also very confusing, turbulent time. So th my, my, then my question would be. If that was your reintroduction after not having the purpose, the drive, the initiative, all the things that you are as a musician when it's like 
before in 2020, March of 2020, what did it feel like? Did you do any shows leading up to like Lollapalooza or? Yeah, <laughs> it's what- funny. So we did one like um, Lollapalooza hit us up with the opportunity to do kind of like an after party. Ah. On, um, but the after party was before my set. So it was like a pre after party <laughs> um, at, at a tiny little sweat lodge called Subterranean in Chicago. It's oh, like a yeah. 350 cap room, like just, just a, yeah, a tiny yeah. little spot. And it was uh, pretty weird, to be honest, because, I mean, it was, um, it was an amazing night, but just, you know, I got out of the van and there's, there's the same 20 people that have been coming to my, you know, that I, I got to know my fans better, especially the ones that are like, you know, there's a, there's that, that 1% of, of my fans that, that I know by name who respond within five minutes every time I do anything on the internet and we have this virtual relationship to one another and all of a sudden they're standing in front of this venue and they're running up to me and i'm either gonna tell them all to back up and keep it six feet or i'm going to embrace this thing and trust the vaccine that i got and it was disorienting and then it was awesome and then it was just like you know i had a moment where i was you know, as you grow as a, as an artist and you and you start being able to put on more of a production, there is so many more variables to account for. So making the switch from being, for instance, hearing yourself on the, the wedges at your feet versus on your in-ear monitors. Um, the monitors afford you a certain, like your high fidelity. I can hear myself better. It sounds the same no matter where I am on the stage. Um, but... Now I'm in this room and things are feeding back and what's going on and I can't hear myself and turn up the guitar and what's going on. <laughs> like I spent a lot of that for even that first show, just anxious about all these things going right. And about like halfway through us, just like, ah, you're doing that thing, you know, where this is all I wanted for a year and a half and I'm standing up here and I'm upset because I can't hear the bass. And really what I should be doing is soaking up that I'm that we even made it this far, that I'm actually here with and for these people around me and they know all the words to this album I put out seven months ago. That was that was really cool. So um it was it was an incredible experience. Hey guys, let me take a quick commercial break here and then we'll get back into the conversation. Then we'll be going live here in about two minutes. So, hey folks, at this time, I'd like to remind you that not only you're listening to our podcast, so thank you very much, but we also produce an amazing rock theme cruise called uh, Vacation called Ship Rock. Sorry, a little tongue tied there. We'll be sailing in January of 2022 to Costa Maya and Cozumel and what'll be our 12th voyage. So please sail away into metal oblivion with Lamb of God, I Prevail, Motionless and White, Bones UK, many others, including our guest tonight, Grandson. So uh, guys, if you are interested in cabins, they are still available at shiprocked.com. So check it out. And with that said, we will continue our conversation with uh, Jordan Benjamin from Grandson. Jordan, you mentioned a really good point about how do I stay relevant during the pandemic thing. A lot of people were doing Twitch. They were doing all these things. Cameo obviously is a big thing now. How do you do that? How do you stay active enough without watering down who you are as an artist? You know, we can we can sometimes get to that point where like, nah, him again. How do you, how do you, how do you, not everyone can be tool. Everyone doesn't have that, uh, right. that privilege of being removed for five years, can still go out there and still sell out 20,000 20, in five minutes. How do you, how do you do that? How do you yeah, juggle my, that? My manager said, look, man, you were not big enough early enough 
to not do this shit. So you got to do it. And uh, I, I genuinely, I'm not, I'm not dodging the question. I don't know. Like I actually, I, to this day, I'm like still optimizing and navigating how much I want to be everywhere. You know, it's just, it's very difficult. It feels like through social media, um, there's this universal language that we are all speaking of, of like seeking attention that throws musicians in with the actors and the YouTubers and bloggers and vloggers and podcasters. And we're all just trying to occupy people's third of the day that they're spending on their phones. And sometimes I feel like I can do that with it, with an amount of like tact and, and integrity. And other times I feel like I'm not. Uh, and the hard part is when I feel like I'm doing something that I don't necessarily believe in all the way. And it's not registering in such a way that I'm getting the gratification that I felt like I was doing it for. So, um, the biggest thing for me is just taking breaks, even if it's at the detriment of the the almighty algorithm. I just try when I'm in a particularly like creative, artistic mindset. I don't feel that that always um, goes hand in hand with with craving people's attention and marketing my f- stuff. It just doesn't feel like those things are necessarily um, meant to go together back in the day there was this clear delineation of like in the studio writing and then like on tour promoting it and now that that is is um more and more blurred it's even harder and yet more important to make sure that there is a sacred like part of your artistic journey that is between you and yourself and you and your collaborators and then there's the other part that is for everybody so sometimes i'm i'm like all the way in and you know at the beginning of the year every sunday me and my like 400 of my fans would hop on youtube and hang out together um and every day i'm posting and reminding people of my music and reminding them of you know all the things that i need from them and then other times i'm i'm trying to sit back a bit and just take in my relationships my uh world around me Um, Because that's the stuff that's going to maintain a level of engagement as a songwriter. And that's really what I'm what I need to keep doing above it. That that and your sanity. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That and like otherwise I'm just I get really burnt out and I don't want to do it. I just and that's a place that I have to avoid. I can't hit that apathetic um, because that's what Grandson stands in opposition to my album Death of an Optimist was all about my struggle with apathy, my struggle with um, feeling like who even cares? What difference can I really make on the world? I might as well just like pull the covers up and just stay in bed all day. I've, I've really indulged in really low points in my in my mental health where that was all I could, I could do in a day. So once I start noticing myself not wanting to do it, um, that's when I really have to listen and, and get out there and do things that are just for me, fill the well back up. Well, listen, guys, I want to thank everyone for joining us now on Facebook Live. So everyone, please say hello to Jordan. Hello. You guys know him as, uh, as grandson. So we're, we're sitting here talking about, well, we're talking about his new album and his artistic um, kind of direction and creativity and his flow. If you guys, if you have any questions, I please put those in the thread. Uh, we'll get to those. He, 
question we do pick obviously will win a really nice juicy prize from the ask for folks so uh, get those in okay so we're going to continue our conversation here with jordan chad so when so interestingly enough i don't know if you've talked to anybody who has played our cruise before as an artist like the bad you mentioned bad flower or any of that i don't know if you guys had a conversation um i've spoken to a couple bands about about this nefarious uh, journey that we will be uh, going on. Nefarious. I'll say this. uh, An anonymous uh, source told me the first year I did not want to go on Shiprocked. I thought, how could we be doing this? And I am, and, and found themselves a repeat offender, hoping that they could get back on the cruise. That's what I've heard. So only good things, only, only, good times and i i look forward to becoming part of the the shiprock alumni so the, so what you just said is really really special because uh all of what we've talked about just recently with how you engage and how you disengage and how you're how you stay you know connected but also disconnected you're relying before the ship so we'll just sidebar that you've been relying as i have and any other artists have that 10%, that 2%, or whatever those fans are that are diehards that show up in Chicago and they know what's going on. And they're the people who go out and say, hey, did you hear this song? They put it on playlists for other people, blah, blah, blah. Talk about your story without you having to do that. You're in luck because there's gonna be 5,000 people on a ship who genuinely trust and love the folks who curate the ship, uh, like Al, uh, Alan, you, who you saw, or like Justin, everybody that you've been talking to, and those 5,000 people that will be on this ship will do so much more for, as a, as a, as a guy who's, the only reason why I'm the host of the ship is I was a band from no, nowhere, band, nobody band from Detroit that got asked to come and do it, and I've played these things fucking nine times in wow. some capacity, you know? And, uh, you know, I can go to a different country and I'll see people with Shiprock shirts on and they'll be out front waiting and we'll be a first of four on a, you know, a hailstorm tour or something like that. And nobody should really know who we are in Belgium or whatever. And they're like, what's up, Chad? I'm like, no fucking nice. way. You know, so um, what I was kind of leaning into here is um, as we move forward to the ship, uh, I guess, disembarkment day, I would be very interested to see how that swarm of folks that you have already encapsulating you happens to grow before you even touch the stage. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. And lucky for anybody who's catching me for the first time, I'm a better, I promise you can quote me on this on the ship. I'm a better rock and roll singer than I am content creator. I promise. (laughs) Like, um, this gets me excited because I love playing God, you're loud so- fucking rock shows more than being on TikTok or on podcasts. Wow, you are so I'm, archaic. Yeah, old school. I know. Yeah. I actually rock the fuck out and play really fucking hard. Um, that's what I love doing. So, no, I can't wait. I mean, it's it's my favorite thing. And, and uh, it reminds me of the experiences that I had as a dance music fan. And and when people become fans of particular festivals, there is just a certain um, uh, family um, that I've already picked up on. And as soon as I was announced on the lineup, I had a lot of people um, messaging me saying, hey, just checked you out because I saw you were on this lineup. And wow, this is dope, you know? So, um yeah, the work's already been done for me, and I just that makes me all the more grateful to to have been um, asked to be a part of the of, of the journey because 
the, the hard part's done. I already, the hard part is getting anyone to come to your show. And I'm, I think we're going to have a bunch of hungry rock fans who are ready to throw down on this boat with me. That's hey, cool. Speaking of yes. dance real quick, um, you, you got to be tickled. You got to be tickled, <laughs> Pink, that uh, Idris Elba, <laughs> the rumored next James Bond, remixed your song Rain for Suicide Squad. That's got to be so cool. That guy is like the, one of the best, most uh, charismatic actors around. And here he is sitting there mixing your track. That's got to be an amazing feeling. Yeah. Anytime that somebody refers to me, Idris Elba, and tickled in the same sentence, I know it's <laughs> going to be something good. Um, yeah, it was very, very cool to work with him. Uh, I, I was, he, he was, uh, the lead actor on the new Suicide Squad movie mm. and I wrote the theme song for that movie. So it was an easy in. And when I got his, his version back of the song, I was like, this is just so cool. This is just one of those things that is, you, you can't even plan. You can't write it in, in a poor entourage ripoff or something. It was just a really cool moment. How is it? How is it being associated now with like a movie that has such a, a obviously a, a cult following and B is as massively successful globally that that series is and will be and continue to be? What's it like to be attached to something like that now? It's cool. It's cool. You meet new people. It, it was cool being a small part of this canon um, that some people take so seriously and seeing all of the the cosplay, all the costumes and creativity where my song just got to be a part of that um, as, as the theme song was uh, very, very dope. And hopefully I, I can get more opportunities like that. And, you know, I, it could have just been a generic song about explosions and whatever, but uh, if if you go and listen to the song that I wrote for the movie, which is called Rain, um, it really is about taking some of the pain um, that we all experience in life and and trying to learn something from it. And and not I don't mind the rain because that's the only way the flowers bloom was kind of the, the the mantra of this pandemic, which is, you know, I came away from this pandemic with a, a much deeper appreciation for live music deeper appreciation for my family, for my values, for my partner. Um, and in that way, um, that is the best thing I've done for my mental health is lean into to the things that are hard and, and try to see the good in them. And, and I was really proud that a song with that sort of uplifting message um, was amplified to this much larger international community than it would have otherweise. That was really cool. So hey, listen to the song and the, and the credit song. You're like a regular Danny Elfman. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> yeah. It was. I'm like a Danny DeVito. I got you. Danny, Danny DeVito. DeVito. There we go. Hey, we have a question for you uh, from one of the ship rockers, uh, Jordan. This is from Joshua Harley. He goes, what is your favorite song and why is it Oh No? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yes. First off, is that what we call ourselves? Ship rockers? Is that it? Well, ship rockers is basically our community and the people who come aboard and things like that. So the ship rockers, I love ship that. rockers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I mean, of my own music, <laughs> I, I, it's like choosing your favorite kid. I will say, um, my song "Blood Water" has been listened to fucking nearly a billion times, and that's something that I. I feel like I understand some days and then it comes up again and I realize I have no idea why or how that happened and I can't recreate it even if I tried. And, that, you know, I, I, I return to that song often and I'm just so, so grateful that that song has taken me all over the world. And um, But yeah, I, I have other songs that I think are really fucking good and 
you know, hopefully you can listen to your old music. I'm sure, Chad, you can relate. If it's good, you, you can at least connect to where you were when you wrote it, you know? And some of my songs I, are easier than others for me to really tap into. Whether or not that's still my story, I really was going through that shit at the time, and I'm really proud of how honest and, and directly I was able to connect my life story to this song that other people are singing. So, um, yeah, Oh No goes pretty hard. Thanks. Thanks for your question. <laughs> Josh, thanks, buddy. Uh, that's yeah. I know you tried to persuade him with your question, but uh, <laughs> there we go. Check out Bloodwater. Be the billionth and, and, and number one person. So you'd be like, was that one billion and one? Yeah, you there win. You, uh, you win a free drink on the boat. <laughs> Courtesy of Chad. Courtesy of oh, Chad. Sure. By the way, dude, you weren't brought on because you've been a regular as far as your band. You were brought on because of your dimples. Anywho, ah. I just noticed them too when you said that. That's yeah, nice. that's yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say it also. Oh no, is a great. Uh, it's one of my favorites, Thanks, along man. with Blood Water. I mean, I love. There I love are some good fucking songs and bands on this boat this year. I'm a big big fan of, of Bones UK. Really good friends of mine, uh, Carmen and Rosie, Bad Flower. Great dudes. I've been playing live with them a little bit um, lately. Um, and 0936, who is, you know, just a, just a killer with it. Um, me and him go back to the, the very start of his uh, journey. We have, we have the same uh, kind of behind-the-scenes team in some, in some areas. So Zero's a good buddy of mine. I've written a couple songs with him. Uh, I Prevail. I met Eric a couple times. Good dudes. So, yeah, just really good bands and, and really good characters that are going to It's an interesting lineup. It's our heaviest, but also our, definitely our most diverse hmm. and adventurous. So, you know, part of our job really is we obviously want people to come on because their favorites are playing. We like to pay attention to what people want, but we also like want to help them and ourselves expand ourselves and really blow up people's like tastes and you know, bring in all this fantastic music. Heavy doesn't always just mean heavy. It means heavy yeah. of thought, heavy of process. So yeah, that's what it's, so yeah, we're looking all looking forward to this one. I love that. I respect mm -hmm. that. And, and, you know, I think as we, as we try to wrap our heads around introducing heavy music to a younger generation and trying to mm -hmm. bring um, heavy music um, out of just the same Metallicas and, you know, th th those just iconic bands just headlining these festivals over and over and over again as we seek to kind of shuffle the deck. It is that commit commitment to diversity, um, having more uh, female-fronted bands, having more people of color, um, black and brown voices um, represented. Um, I think that those are really important things that we as um, musicians, curators, um, need to seek to do. So, yeah, it's it's an uphill battle, and I can't wait to watch the the, the lineup change and evolve over over time. But one of the things we did bring on, one of the folks we brought on though, was basically like almost kind of like the blueprint for like adventurous thinking type of style music, and that's with having HR from Bad Brains on, and mm -hmm. that's who he is. Is like again, that's like Danny putting it, going out there and finding this guy who's like the godfather of all this music that's going to be on the boat and it's like everyone's like going holy shit you guys got him so yeah it's like, it is that it, healthy blend and, and it's not yeah. about the people that 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 pioneered this genre and of kevin the, the point isn't to to uh, you know throw them over you know make them walk the plank that's not no. the point it's just Ooh. embracing 
different, you know, styles of thought. And like, yeah, yeah I, I can't wait to, to give kudos where kudos is due. And, 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 and if you look at my catalog, it is about working with new up and coming artists like Kenny Hoopla and Oliver Tree, and also working with the Tom Morellos, the Mike Shinodas, the Travis Barkers, and, and all mm -hmm. the people that I, I grew up influenced by. So it's that healthy chain of like, I want to be able to both um, inspire while, while continuing to be mentored um, by some of the greatest people to ever make rock music. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, speaking of, you just mentioned something we do called Walk the Plank Here, which is basically we ask you a question <laughs> and you just give your most organic, top of your head answer. Or you can really deep dive, do a deep dive into it and, and see what you can come up with. Chad, I'm going to go first because actually I'm going to use Please. someone. I'm going to use Karen, one of our ship rockers, pose this question. I think it's really good. So I'm going to use hers as my walk the plank tonight. Let's go. So her question is this. What is one thing you've tried that you will never try again? Huh. Ooh, good question. One thing that I tried that I will never try again. Um... I like most of the things that I try. I'm searching for it. Um, I can't really honestly say that. There's a couple things that would be really obvious to come to mind, like a couple party drugs and stuff, but I'm probably going to do them <laughs> yeah. again. So I, I'm i never going to microdose <laughs> crystal meth. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't even say that. It's too soon. I'm afraid I'm too young. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, I will say one thing that I tried that I won't try again is uh, making R&B music. I think I'm, I'm better suited as like an alternative uh, rocker than... than than all the other like misadventures that I tried at, at the beginning of my career. Let's let's go with that. It's hard to find that right bass sound. I feel yeah, like you know, I grew up listening to like Usher and Craig David because I had like, you know, I had older sisters. And so right. I, I wanted to be Justin Timberlake so bad, but I just I didn't have the dance moves, man. <laughs> I was too angry. So I think I'll never go back into trying to trying to do that. You, I think that's like I think that's how I think you have to be born and raised in Orlando in order to be that. Yes, so. yes. I wasn't yeah. nearly Orlando enough. <laughs> that's right. Good question though. Chad, what's yours, bud? Yeah. So if you could give human beings uh one virtue, just make sure that every one of us has this one virtue, what would that be? Oh my gosh. Oh man. I wish that um we could all like you know how uh, Trinity, when they at the beginning of the Matrix, when she like uploads the helicopter, she like I need to learn how to fly a helicopter, and they're like Boom, they click a button, she's like, and she just knows how to fly it. I wish that like we could do that and and um and and just have each other's lived story. Like I wish that you know the people in charge of making decisions could actually understand what it's like for the people that are impacted by those decisions. You know, Fuck. unfortunately we have such a lack of empathy in the world. Imagine if you could just press a button and be like, oh my God, I was there for all of it in this quick moment. Like, and I know you and I understand why you are the way you are. We would all be better human beings for that. Best answer. That's great, right? <laughs> yeah. So, hey, you just mentioned Travis Barker. How did that collaboration come together? Obviously, Travis plays really well as far as collaborating with artists. How did you guys meet? Uh, we met through um, he his, his imprint, DTA Records, uh, is uh, connected to some of the people that I make my albums with. So 
It was like a friend of a friend situation that, you know, they, they pulled, called a favor in and he agreed to work with me on my album. Um, and when I went to his studio to work with him for the first time, I was waiting outside and a Postmates order walks up and he asks, are you Travis with that plate full of coffee? So I was like, I think it'll be a weird dynamic if me and the Postmates dude are hanging out here. So I was like, yeah, I'm Travis, took the coffee. And then when Travis opened the door, it's like, you know, the most famous dude I've ever met is standing in front of me and I'm just holding coffees. And I go, hey, man. And he goes, hey. And then I start walking into his studio and he's like, kind of blocks the door. And I realize that I'm the Postmates man now. And I got to be like, oh, these are for you. I'm grandson, actually. Let's go write a song. It was a pretty funny uh, moment just between the two of us. So that's my that's a good Travis story. Met him through a friend, though, and we made three songs together, uh, one of which came out um, called Drop Dead. And we might get another one coming out soon, hopefully. Hey, can I ask you, what, what, how's he take his coffee? Ooh, I don't actually, there were several coffees in the order. So I, I can't, I can't speak for the man. Is, he, is he, he a cream he and takes sugar them a fueled, I think it was uh, just like a coffee monster energy combo as far as I remember. God. Uh, was there more <laughs> than him there and him and you? Yes. There? Okay. Yes. There was an incredible, incredible songwriter named Nick Long. Shouts out, Nick. Oh. Uh, there was, uh, an engineer a producer named K Thrash. Shouts out that dude. I think there was one more guy there. Also another very good, you know, down to earth, like real rockers, man. And they, they got a really good thing going on. And, you know, the success he's had over the last year and a half speak for itself. When I worked with him, they were just wrapping the Machine Gun Kelly album, the uh, tickets to my downfall. And, and MGK actually rolled through at the end. And um, I understand he's a controversial figure in rock and roll, but... They played this album and there was not a person there in that room that day that had any sliver of doubt that this would change rock music uh, for young people. And it unequivocally did. No matter what yes. you think or whatever any of us could say about it, they were working on an album that they knew would do exactly what it did, which was go number one and change young people's relationship to pop punk music forever. Yes. Again, <laughs> again again all over again exactly this dude's totally. like listen i'm about to do it twice yeah it was just like <laughs> wow and you know i wasn't a huge pop punk fan growing up i, I listened to you know the biggest i listened to blink 182 and some 41 but i wasn't really like a scene i was more of a hip-hop kid more of an electronic kid you know i was listening to all kinds of stuff so um it was really cool to just be able to be uh, in the room that day and to and to come out with the closest thing I have to a song in that genre, which is my song Drop Dead near the end of my debut album. I really wanted that to be just you and him in there, and he just had multitudes of different types of coffee because he could, either couldn't make up his right. mind he just or pounded them all one by one. Which one is this? You know, that's gonna be that. me. That's gonna be me on sh on the ship, but it's not gonna be coffee. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. shit rocked. That's yeah, what it's yeah, gonna that's be. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, once I drink all this coffee and shit yeah. my pants, I get yeah, that's right on yeah. stage. And people are like, God, "You fucking, I love you guys, right? Yeah. I drop you guys better go crazy." Just dropped Chow off the side of the yeah, boat. They did, there you go. Go. literally. So you've got some more touring to finish out of the year. Then obviously you visit us in January here. Uh, what are your plans about new music, new album? I'm actually uh, headed to London to to work on another chapter of it. Um, I have uh, some some big collabs coming at the end of the year. I just uh, dropped one with the goat Tom Morello, my big bro. 
and uh, I got some music uh, coming out with some people in 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 the alternative world, alternative pop. Um, so should be new music by the end of the year, and uh, I'll be I'll be debuting some new stuff on the boat. Nice. Hey, would you ever yeah, do something cool. with a a K-pop group? Yeah, I would. I actually wrote for a K-pop group. This is a crazy story. Nobody's nobody's asked me about this. So basically, like like I said, I came down to LA and I was doing all kinds of music and I made like all these rap demos that never came out, thankfully. Um, they were just sitting there, these like kind of Beastie Boysy hip hop songs that, that I wasn't really sure what to do with. And I lose touch with a lot of the people I worked with that back then. This is like 2015. I was like a kid and now I'm grandson doing my own thing. I lose touch with a lot of those people. And I get a message last year during the pandemic from one of the producers that I was working with way back when, who now has this hookup in South Korea and, and one of the biggest uh, K-pop groups they are called NCTU, I think. Um, they like found one of my old, old, old demos. And, and so he, I hear this song that I wrote like years ago as a much different me, but entirely rapped by these Korean rappers. It was like, <laughs> what? And, and it came out, it came out. And so yeah, I have worked with the K-pop group. I didn't get to meet them well, in person you. or anything, but it was like- They just love their acronyms, don't they? They do love their acronyms. BTS, I have no clue. What does BTS even stand for? What does that stand for? Oh, if you oh, gave me some time, I would have a funny line, but I can't think that fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, I would work more like for sure. I mean, they're just some of the most passionate fans in the world. And oh I'm actually God. a really Holistic. big fan of, I don't know if you guys watched um, Squid Game or Parasite, but uh, I'm actually a really big fan of, of South Korean um, artists. Like I really, I, 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 we went on like a South Korean movie binge during the pandemic, watched uh, Old Boy, incredible movie, Memories of Murder great, great South Korean film and Parasite, which was my gateway drug. So it's, more it's South terrible. Korea for me, hopefully. It's funny because South Koreans kind of have their own thing. They do create their own thing where like, like Japanese tend to create something that's already happened in the U.S. and then take it and run with it and do some kind of crazy mix of it, you know, whether it's their love of rockabilly or whatever they do. Mm -hmm. uh, but the South Koreans seem to be on their own. <laughs> they're on their definitely their own level. As far as those kind of situations, yeah, I have yeah. no idea what I'm talking oh, about. Oh boy, that's a rough one. That's a rough movie, yeah, man. Pass on this. <laughs> it's Bangtan Boys, by the way. Bang Tan Boys. One word: B A N G. Is that what BTS stands for? Face Boys. Is that the yeah. province they're from, or something? Shit. Or the small town know. they're from? Is that what it stands for? Who knows? Anyway, that for another time. I know. <laughs> Anyway, well, Jordan, man, we've had you for about 60 minutes, man. And thank you so much for your time. Time flies, man. I hope I know, it doesn't right? go this Thanks. fast on the boat. No, it's it going to drag on. By the fifth night, you're going to give me the <laughs> fuck off this thing. Jesus Christ. How long is I accepted? I signed up. Uh, I have no idea. We could five, be for like five nights, six days. Amazing. Okay, good. That sounds like a good amount of time. And every moment you're awake will be filled with some sort of activity. So grab a oh, wink when you can here and there. Oh, I'm so, so stoked. Genuinely. I can't wait. <laughs> I love, I love meeting people and playing live music. So I can't. Hey, lots of people have been giving you props here in the thread for, they saw you at Aftershock for the first time. And a lot of them are super stoked. So. Hey, Sacramento, what's up? That was so much fun. Great, great crowd. And I was playing at the same time as Pennywise and a couple other like iconic bands. So I didn't really, I came in knowing like, all right, I'm the new guy i make alternative music I, I i know i'll probably be playing to a small crowd and 
it was bumping. It was really, really fun. So shout listen, out a lot of those shop. people that attend those festivals don't know who Pennywise is. Uh, I guess. Oh, I my guess. dad listened to them. Well, they know that they knew who Grandson was by the end of it. I, I, I there you go. Perfect. Perfect. So guys, uh, the album Death of an Optimist is, is out. It's been out since 2020. Make sure and check that out. Also check out his new song, Hold the Line with Tom Morello. Um, check that song out. You can find it where you stream music or if you want to go to iTunes, go ahead and buy the darn thing. Spend a buck 29. Please don't make me beg. Uh, Jordan, we'll see you in January, buddy. Best of luck. Much success till then. We look forward to your continued ascension. Thank you guys for having me. I can't wait to, to make it to the boat and to everybody hanging, listening. See all you ship rockers real soon. Absolutely. Hey, guys, thank you so much, Joshua. You're the big winner tonight, buddy. So we'll, uh, we'll get after you, we'll get with you afterwards. Hey, guys, this program couldn't happen without some of the folks who work on it. So uh, let's go ahead and thank uh, our producer, Al McManus, our engineer, Jennifer Zito, our stroke coordinator, Heather Smith, and of course, the captain, Alan Kading. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Jordan. See you. Be safe. Thanks, you guys. See you soon, buddy. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast.